0: August 24th, 2023, we're in Masechet, Meteta Zahandaf. If you count from the top of the Amud down, it's 14 lines down. It's right at the beginning of the Gemara after the Mishnah, which we concluded at the end of class yesterday. If you recall, the Mishnah and the Gemara in turn will elaborate, will lengthen the conversation. It distinguished between what was called a gahelet and a Shalhevet. A Gahelit is a coal and a shalhevet is a flame and effectively what the Mishnah told us through three different cases and the Beraita will give us two more halakhic cases is that when we envision when we understand a gahelet as a coal it has a certain substance a certain status in contrast to a shalhevet a flame a flame we envision and understand in halakhah as mamash. mamash. It doesn't have a certain halachic substance to the extent that in many halachot, it's insignificant a flame. Whereas, in contrast to that, even though coal might be used for the same thing to provide heat, to uh, bring forth a certain fire, uh, nonetheless, since it's a coal as opposed to just the gases of a fire, it has a substance, it's considered mamash and in turn has all sorts of Halakhot associated with it. So in terms of the specifics, let's take a look at this Beraita, which begins the Gemara. There are five things, obviously among others, you could imagine and conjure up in your mind, but five primary things that the Hachamim said in the context of Gehelet, um, of of coal uh, with regards to halachot. Now again, three of them we'll already know from our brief conversation in the Mishnah yesterday. There'll be two new ones. ha-gahelet, firstly, First, bechol makom. Firstly, says the Beraita, a gahelet, a coal has the status of the person who owns it, and therefore the regular laws are followed with regards to. Tehum Shabbat. In other words, if it was given to a person before Yom Tov, before Shabbat, that they can in turn handle it and bring it the distance of themselves. The Baalut, the ownership, is defined by the person who's holding on to it at the entrance to the holiday. If it's given on the holiday, the ga'helet the Kol, then it has the status of the initial primary owner. That's in contrast to Shalhevet. Shalhevet is a flame. The flame, if in one way or another the Gemara will debate, how is a flame handed over? But if in one way or another I take your flame and I want to move it, even though it's on the holiday and <laughs> entering into the holiday, so to speak, it was yours, nonetheless, it has the status and the halakha of bechol makom. It's not bound up by, quote, the initial owner. Sorry, we are talking about the itself, not the- like the Candle hold of the fire. Correct. Correct. The fire. Just the flame, which again, at this point, with regards to this case, is actually not as hard as I was kind of making it out, because it means, for all intents and purposes, I take my candle, I walk you into you your you? home, and I light from an existing flame. Yes, the other ones might be a little bit more difficult when we're talking about carrying it in a shul as we'll address in a moment. But that's right. And so, in other words, whereas in contrast to I borrow your actual uh, coal, then it'll be Kira bealim. When it comes to I just so if to speak, even though to have a flame you need something, you need it with, you need, you need something to have a flame. Right. Nonetheless, the flame is isolated with regards to, you know, me borrowing it from you, provided that I'm not taking it with the candle or whatever it's lit on. Uh, that's the first case. Uh, the next one says the beraitah, ha-gahelet shal ba, ve lo <laughs> nehenin ve-lo mo'alin. Uh, so the halakha with regards to kodesh, something that's hekdesh, something that's sanctified for the mikdash, is that a person, a people, are not allowed to benefit from it. If a person were to do so, that's called me'ilah, Lim'ol ma'al, we know from the Torah as well, in the context of a sota in parashat, not so, uh, it means to really betray, it means to go against the, the laws that are designated for something as opposed to another. And in turn, the concept of the sin of me'ilah, means I inappropriately, deal with and handle hekdesh. Well, what's the halakha with regards to a flame versus a coal, which is hekdesh? Says the Beratai, if a person were to wrongfully use a gahelit a coal of Hikdish that would constitute a sin known as me'ilah. Depending on whether it was b'mezid or b'shogeg, it'll have particular and specific halachot. When it's done shogeg, accidentally, we have the whole masechet called masechet me'ilah, about bringing a sacrifice. If it was done purposefully, there are lashes. That's in contrast to if there's a flame which is shilkodesh, there's a flame which is sanctified to the mikdash, and I benefit from it. I use it in some way or another. In such a circumstance, A. As the Beraita, as the Mishnah did, lo mo'alin. You shouldn't be doing so. Lo nehenin. Excuse me. You shouldn't be doing so. That's a rabbinic restriction. The Chachamim say stay away from handling Kodesh, even though it's permitted. Well, in other words, I think what you're asking, you're like. It, 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 <laughs> you're, you're asking if enbo mamash. So, it, it, so, it, so it, then, what's the issue? What the Gemara will say almost explicitly, Rashi already kind of told us in the Mishnah, it's, it's a rabbinic restriction. The rabbis fear that if, when you're dealing with Kodesh matters, you're using the fire, you'll end up using the coal or anything else. Uh, but ultimately speaking, there's no sin of Me'ila if a person were to go against the rabbis on that. So that's the second of the two ramifications with regards to Gahelet versus Shalhevet. Number three, a new one that we didn't see in our Mishnah, Gahelet shal'avodah asura, V'shalhevet muteret, when we distinguish between a gachelet and shalhevet, a coal in a flame, the next stage is Avodazara. Of course, you're not allowed to sacrifice, you're not allowed to be involved in the worship of avodah but the avodah itself and the and the anything that went into the worship, is all asur Behana, a person is not allowed to benefit in any way, shape, or form from anything that was a part of the process of pagan idolatrous uh, rites. Um, that's learned from Pasuk in the Torah. Rashid cites it over here, You're not allowed to hold on to anything that's from the excommunicated stuff, from the forbidden stuff of Avodah Now, let's say, a uh, person did worship or people worshipped Avodah and there's leftover or present gahelit. Coals, it's asur, it's prohibited to get any benefit from it. That's in contrast to they used this flame for the avodah You could use that flame. Aha. Uh-huh. So says Eli, Asks Eli if you just told me by kurdish that there's a gizera and The rabbi say, but don't use it, even though it's permitted, and you won't violate. How come they didn't do that by Abu So the Gemara will explicitly ask that question. I'll tell you the answer already now, only because you asked it. Um, the Gemara will say that a person you don't want to. The person Gemara. You I said, I said, I right. Oh, you're right ahead. Oh, all right. So you want to. Eli, you want to give us the answer? Yeah. yeah uh, so the Gemara will distinguish between kodesh, which the Gemara will say la bidile in and avodasara, which is bidile in shemine lehavdil ben kodesh We say on Motzei Shabbat, bidile means to be separated from, and as a result, the Gemara suggests that the rabbis' vision of people was that when you walk into a kness, walk into a synagogue, you walk into a in Mikdash, you're going to be more prone, in my words, and overwhelmed by the sanctity to go forward to touch and involve yourself in things that are sanctified, and maybe are off-bounds, out-of-bounds, but ultimately speaking, you're drawn to it. You know you should be involved with this, and therefore, when it came to Kodesh, so the rabbi said, listen, if we allow a little bit, we fear that a person will extend themselves further. That's in contrast to Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah is disgusting. I'm not involving myself. I'm going to distance myself, irrespective of any little leeway you gave me. You told me I can benefit from the flame. I don't even know if I'm going to do that, but at the very least, I'll do that. I don't want anything else. The vision, the psychology that the rabbis read into people is that people won't go too far when it comes to Avodah about Going to to that, not just yes, we moved the first case when we're dealing with Eruvin uh, and Tehumin and things of that, so it was only Yom Tov. These other two halachot have nothing to do with Yom Tov. They're general halachot with regards, so it was a springboard to talk about the contrast between Gahelet and Shalhevet, the coal and the uh, flame. Third, uh, Number, what are we up to? Four. This one happens to be Shabbat. What if a person takes a flame versus a coal into a public area on Shabbat? Now, public areas are forbidden to carry within and to carry from a private area, Roshut into that Rishut HaRabim, Does it constitute a melechet hotza'ah, a violation of one of the 39 melechot on Shabbat that you're not allowed to carry um, if you took a flame or if you took a coal? Well, if you took a coal, absolutely it does. If you took a flame, says the Beraita, it would not. It's on this case that I was really alluding to earlier that the Gemara will question, how did you move a flame? I got it, the gas doesn't have mamash, it's not considered something of substance. How did you move that into Rishut HaRabim? How do you get a flame into the without having it attached to something? Well, was it just so the Gemara's ultimate line right before the next Mishnah is that a person waves his hand he's on the border between Rishut HaYahid and Rishut and there's a flame over there he waves his hand and uses the air with his hand in a direct fashion to push the flame into Rishut Rabim. that's our situation in that circumstance under such, situa- it, uh, under such uh, circumstances that would be the halacha. maybe I could say that I moved the flame from Rishut HaRabim the, pop- uh, the private domain into Rishut being the private one, the public one, I don't envision it as such. A flame is in Bob Mamash. That's our fourth of the five. And the last one, Hamudar Ame Havero Umutar bechalhavato says the says the beraita if a person's mudar hanaa, we have a masach nedarim we say kal nidre we have hatarat nedarim all those sorts of things are are dealing with a nedir a nedir in contrast to a shivua is uh, when a person says that a, another person or item is forbidden to them. A shivuah means I took a certain f- vow that I would do something or I won't do something. That's action-based. That's what's called a shibu'ah. Uh, neder, nedarim are not action-based. It's when you say an object or a person is forbidden to you. I won't get benefit from that person. I won't get benefit from that chair, from that table. That's a neder. In turn, the case we're talking about over here is hamudar me havero. You vowed off, you swore off any benefit from your friend from another person, I, I honor them so much, I, alternatively I need to stay away from them so much, I'm mudarhan. my wife said I can't be involved with this guy, I'm mudarhana. I can't have any ana'a from them, what about uh, borrowing their uh, gahalet their, uh, their flame, what about using their, excuse me, their, their coal, what about using their flame, that's what the Biraita says, there's a distinction, if it's the coal, yesh bo mamash, that's getting benefit, if alternatively it's just borrowing or taking from them a flame... All five of these cases are consistent. We say that flames shall have it in Bom Picks up the Gemara here in the second wide line, the third word, on the question, first and foremost, <coughs> that Eli asked. It says the Gemara, Why is it that when it comes to the flame of idolatry, this Sharia, <coughs> it's permitted entirely? There's no rabbinic restriction, even saying you shouldn't benefit from it. Why is it to, why alternatively, when it came to Hekdesh, when it came to the matter which was sanctified for the Mikdash, we said rabbinically there's a restriction, and uh, not that if you went ahead, you violated something, but rabbinic restriction, why distinguish between these two? Answers the Gemara, Avodazara when it comes to idolatry, Demiisa, which is considered disgusting, Ubidile in Shemina. And in turn, people separate themselves, detach and stay away from Avodah Zarah. the Chachamim had no such restriction. They didn't fear that by allowing you to take from the flame of Avodah Zarah, you would in turn be using anything else, getting involved in Avodah Zarah. That's in contradistinction too. Hekdish, Delamais, it's not disgusting. If anything, it's beautiful. It's sanctified. It's, it's something significant. And in turn, we don't want and we know that people will not separate themselves from it. it has to be under the right conditions of course as a result had this this restriction. Alright that's what we have thus far we have to deal with though the case that I told you is coming up the case of a person who moves a flame slash a coal from a private domain to a public one on Shabbat. Question? Um, when it comes to the idol worship thing, with, the, with the benefit of warmth Restriction of the fire. Like You can any benefit even from the, like you can Correct. It. You would not be able to use it for anything, including warmth or any uh, provision, uh, Make using it to make food or whatever. That would all be considered, considered Hana'a that's there not taken by the the yeah there are question- Warmth is, would be included Warmth is included yes even even if it's there absolutely um, the the uh, and and as a result if it's just a flame in other words you're you're, you're okay as as alt- rabbinically speaking we're saying when it comes to hekdesh, you can't with regards to the flame by avodazara you'd be able to I can Yeah but their flame I don't know that you'll really be able to detach it will you because ultimately I'm not saying not detach their thing. but what i'm saying is the flame has a has a call underneath it it's it's that i took their flame and then i used the flame separately otherwise you're using their other things because i don't think the flame is standing in the air is what i'm saying yeah. Uh, again, the Gemara elsewhere has a question. For example, Pisahim, When you deal with it, it's Bat Tihaz, the name of the case uh, is uh, is smelling Avodah That sort of benefit considered. And the, ultimately speak the Gemara is Mahlok in whether Rehalav Milta Rehab Milta. But that's again, I don't know that it's really going to come into play in this context because it has something else attached. To it. It's really just when you're transporting it. To the best of my understanding, says the Gemara Hamotzika Hayav Patu. Right. That was the next case in the Beraitah, uh, one of the last ones, is a difference between um, a gahelet and Shalhevet with regards to transporting from public to private or private to public domain on Shabbat. Questions the Gemara? Yom Tob you're allowed to carry, ultimately speaking. We know that from the Mishnah and Yod-Bet. Yeah, this is really a Shabbat issue. Uh, you know, they're, they're assuming... Uh, true, but that's what uh, Jeffrey already pointed out. The other cases, the Avod Hazara, is, is relevant even during the week. They assumed they got there. Keep in mind, the heading of the Beraitah, as well as the Mishnah, is really just to delineate between Shalhevit and Gachelet. Happens to be that it came up because we were talking about the laws of, of Yom Tov. So the, says the Beraitah, don't we have a Beraitah which contradicts what we just mentioned? Hamotzi Shalhevit kol Shehu, Hayav, the Biraita says that if a person were to take a shalhevet, which is a flame, call shahu, any small amount, a tiny flame, a small flicker, and you move it from public to private, private to public, rushuti rabim to achid on shabbat, hayav, you violated a biblical isu from the Torah. How could you tell me in the Mishnah? How could you tell me in the Biraitah more specifically that when it comes to Shalhevit, when it comes to a flame, there's no such issue. Yeah. <laughs> Rav Sheshat suggests that the difference is that our Beraita initially was talking about and again I told you already how you kind of did this but let's imagine, well you know it, okay so you waved at the fire, that's how you transported it in our Beraita. Over here where we say there's a violation, it's not that you just waved at it and all you're moving is the flame but rather there's something physical attached to it. What's that? A kesam. There's a twig of some sort so you're using a twig, in order to transport that fire, that's the violation. Says the Gemara, if there's a twig, that's why you're violating. It has nothing to do with the fire, it has everything to do with the twig. Kind of like when I was talking about the Avodah Zerah, I said, okay, you're alright with the flame, but it was the cult. Says the Gemara over here, Good question, says the Gemara, I'll give it a second, no, but a twig, you're talking about mukse. we're talking about carrying, Shabbat. Why don't you explain in turn that the reason you have a violation of Shabbat when you move the flame which is connected to a twig of some sort, it's because of the twig itself? And since the Gemara we can suggest that when even in a case where the twig doesn't have the requisite measurement, it's not big enough to be constitute an isur of hotza'ah, nonetheless. The flame, you could have and would have imagined, is not a problem. The fact that the flame is connected to the twig, even though the twig on its own is small enough that it doesn't constitute an Yisur taa, the flame being connected to it creates an entity. It's no longer just a flame, which is amorphous, which doesn't have a shape or form or anything like that. It's a flame connected to a twig. That's a violation. Who said that there is a Shi'ur? Who told you that there's a measurement, a requisite measurement with regards to HaTzah when it comes to twigs. Ditnan, we have a Mishnah Masechet Shabbat which teaches ha mosi if you're moving wood on Shabbat, it's not in any circumstance that the movement from one domain to the other violates. Uh, rather, levashil betsa it's rather specifically when the wood is enough to be a fire starter for a betsa kala. Rashi says a betsa kala is um, a easily cooked egg which is betsa tarnegolid which is a chicken's egg, but ultimately speaking it means there is a measurement and you're not handling a twig which is of that measurement but since it's connected to fire, that's the violation. Abaye Amar Abaye alternatively gave a different answer. Again, what are we looking to answer? We have a contradiction of sorts. On the one hand, our Mishnah says a hevet, a flame, enbo mamash. It doesn't have a status with regards to carrying from a Shuta rabim a shute Ahid." On the other hand, the Beraita said explicitly, hayav. You have a violation. Rava's answer was it's connected to a twig. Abaye alternatively says Abaye Amar kegon deshayefeh. Mana, mashha, veatle be Abaye's answer, alternatively, is shayefe means you kind of coated it. Mana means a utensil. The Gemara will be clear. It's a utensil made of earthenware, made of clay. Mashha means oil. Veatle atlebe and you in turn uh, struck the fire, the flame onto it. So again, I have a utensil made of earthenware, made of clay. I, I coat it with, um, with, uh, what's it called? With oil. And in turn, I light that. And then I move this from of course, the Gemara with the same types of questions. Well, if that's the case, why don't you just say that the utensil itself is what you're violating? Keep in mind, we're talking about the violation of hotza'ah, so the same way we said earlier the kesam, which was Rava's answer, we say, oh, but wait a second, the kesam in turn is considered something of substance that you're moving from one domain to the other. The Gemara will ask the same question, give the same answer. The Gemara will ultimately speaking say that this utensil of Abaye also isn't the requisite size or amount. Wait a second, why do you give a different answer then? It was just as good. Was it better than Rava? Rashi has two interpretations to this. If you take a look at, uh, well, let's finish the Gemara first and then we'll talk about Rashi, maybe the beginning tomorrow. It says the Gemara, Vetefuk le-mishum mana, why don't you answer and explain the reason there's an isur hotza over here is because of the mana because of the utensil which is being moved uh, behaspa says the Gemara it's not an actual utensil it's just a piece of earthenware just a piece of clay and as a result it's not per se going to constitute an issue of hotza says the Gemara but it will haspa why don't you say that the issue is that you're moving a piece of clay and movement of a piece of clay from one domain to the other constitutes an isur of hotza it perhaps is the with a case where the clay does not have the requisite size to constitute an issue of hotzah on Shabbat. d'itnan heres kedeliten ben patsim mm-hmm. ivrer bihuda after all the Mishnah Masechet Shabbat suggests and explains that the size with regards to p- small pieces of earthenware is a determined size. There's only specific circumstances where you're going to have the issue of hotzah. What is it? It's kedeliten ben patzim or pitzim What are those? Those are the boards or those of the piece of wood that surround your windows or surround your doorposts. And when a person is doing it, I believe until today there's something parallel to this if it's not perfectly symmetrical if it's not fitting in perfectly you're going to insert little pieces of clay in order to hold it up in order to make certain that it's not slanted and the structure is built properly that's the requisite size with regards to these small pieces of clay to say if that's the size the type of things you would put in between those slats of wood that's the Isur of hotza on Shabbat and we're dealing in turn in our case with something smaller Ela HaTitnan concludes the Gemara. Hamotzi patur hechi mishka hatla. So again, we'll return very briefly at the beginning of class tomorrow to talk about why Abaye needed to give a separate answer. But ask the Gemara the question that I told you we were kind of should have been asking ourselves throughout. How do you have a violation of moving a Shalhevit on Shabbat? or rather, better yet, no violation. You told me any case where it's connected to something, there is a violation, whether it's a twig or a very small piece of clay. In all those circumstances, there's a violation of hotzaah. When are you not gonna have violation? The case must be where you waved it into the Tarebim, which means to say, when all the dust settles in our Gemara, if it's a flame which is waved at and in turn goes from one domain to the next, no violation, why not? Because it's a flame in mamash. if alternatively, it's connected to something, albeit something insignificant, albeit something that if I carried that something, the small piece of earthenware, the small twig, from Rashut to Rashut Rabbi might have no violation. Nonetheless, the fact that it's connected to the flame would constitute a violation. Baruch amen